Welcome to The Alternative, Alternative. Radio that questions virtual reality. Sponsored by ISEDN.org. Is there life beyond the big four search engines? Are webmasters spending more than they need to? Or leaving money on the table? What opportunities exist on the margins? Spend the next hour exploring paid and free alternatives to the major search engines. Now, step into The Alternative with your host, Jim Hedler. Welcome to The Alternative. It's uh, February the 8th, 2007, and it's going to be an interesting show today. Uh, a little later on, we have Brian Smith from ComparisonEngines.com coming in, and we also have, uh, rounding out the show, Josh Lee from LeadsAndFeeds.com. I'm Jim Hedger. I'm from SitePronews.com. I'm joined with Dave Davies from BeanstalkInc.com. Uh, Dave, how's it going? It's going very well. How are you? I'm great. It's like... Uh, I want to hammer this one home. It's springtime here in Victoria, eh? <laughs> Just rubbing it into others, aren't you? Oh, I love it. Well, my dad's listening, and he's in Toronto, and it's like negative something or another there, and it's horribly cold, and it's springtime here. So going golfing on the weekend, just wanted to um, you know, mention it in case I don't get a chance to call them. <laughs> so um, it's been an interesting week, hasn't it? It has. It has. Um, got a got a bone to pick with uh, with our friend Rand. Uh, be, uh, you have a bone to pick with Rand. I, I was going to lose. I off sure do. He, that was one of the most beautiful gestures I've seen in years. It sure was, and he has raised the bar for the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> so did, did you show the video to your wife? Uh, yeah, yeah. Probably shouldn't have. I'll never ever look romantic again. <laughs> No, it's it's hard to beat that, isn't it, Rand? Um, in case you've been living under a rock or haven't been listening to your webmaster radio or reading your site pro news or any of the million other great news sources out there, um, Rand Fishkin, uh, one of the more famous SEOs in the world, um, turns out he was JP, the uh, the mystery the mystery proposal on my superproposal dot com, and. Uh, Failing to get the Super Bowl sponsorship ad that he, that he wanted to get, he um, ended up uh, buying airtime, regional airtime, out here on, in the Pacific Northwest on the Veronica Mars show and proposing to his uh, long-term partner, Geraldine, that way. <laughs> and, and she said yes, thank God. <laughs> and she said yes, and it was videotaped, and that videotape has been spread all around the web. And actually, I'm just going to go look for the... for a. a the URL of that tape so I can throw it into the Webmaster radio chat room. And you know what I found? What? I found a continuation of it. Um, after that video had ended, um, the, the one that I got to everyone saw, she said, yes, they continued taping. goes on for 15 or 20 minutes where they talk to their moms and uh, talk about the future. And Rand explains how babies are born. And um, <laughs> it, it, it's quite good. I'll have to hunt that one down. I've only seen the uh, the three three minute one so far. Well, anyway, uh, congratulations to to Rand and Geraldine. That was uh, that that made my morning the other day when I saw it. Just put a huge smile on my face. That was great. Now, people who uh, didn't have smiles on their faces, moving right along. The, yeah, the folks who work over at Miva. Um, Miva went through some pretty drastic cuts yesterday. Uh, as we report, actually, we reported in the Cypro News blog uh, yesterday yesterday afternoon that we we heard that there had been some pretty massive cuts, and then Miva confirmed it, uh, saying that they had cut their workforce by about 20%. Yeah. Um, now, that's both in the U.S. and in Europe. Yeah. Well, they apparently they did this. Um, 
I mean, they're trying to save about $10 million, and uh, according to uh, CEO Peter uh, Corraro, this step completes our strategy for increasing the overall mix of MEVA-owned primary traffic, which we believe over time will facilitate higher gross margin revenue on top of more efficient cost base, he said. You know, I, I've written this stuff, and I'm telling you, nobody says that stuff. No. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's the reason for, for cuts-cutting Amoeba. Apparently, it hit mostly in the, uh, in the sales and the uh, IT departments. Um, the, the people from business development moved over to, over to sales, and uh, a lot of people in the IT, uh, IT department seem to, have, seem to have gone. So there we have it, um, 20%, one-fifth of the workforce at Amoeba. Uh, they had about 400 people there. Uh, day before yesterday, so they have slightly less today. Yeah, not a good day, but on to a happier note. Uh, well, happier or more interesting at any rate. More um, total change in the search market this week. There is. There there was indeed. Uh, you know what, I even counted as a, as a happier note because the majority of the world is not SEOs, they're searchers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and for and them, I think this is great. Well, um, I'm calling this part of the this part of the news Goog to know ya. Um, Google's gone personal. How wonderful! So what do you think? What do you think about personalization, Dave? Could you describe it to the listeners really quickly? Twenty five words uh, or less. Um, sure. I mean, basically, it is just a uh, just customizing the search results for your specific uh, search patterns. Uh, that's that's the quickest summary of it I can do. Yeah, as I understand it, Google's going to be drawing from your bookmarks files um, and your Google search history. Now, this is for people who are Google account holders. So if mm-hmm. you, like, have Gmail or you're running Google Analytics or you're signed up for any one of the host of Google membership services, um, that triggers something called My Search History. And I'm, I'm a little unclear on this. For, for people who are long-term or, or already standing as, as Google account holders. I, I don't know if search history is defaulted on or off. I believe that it's defaulted on. Anyway, when you log into your Google account or when you establish a new Google account, and you'll notice that, that Gmail is open to everybody now, um, mm-hmm. you, automatically, you automatically enroll yourself, I guess, in what's called My Search History or Google Search History, where they trace everything you've done through Google over the last... Uh, the last 24 hours, the last week, the last month, and the last year. And it's kind, of, it's kind of a cool application. This has been around for about a year and a half. Um, and if you go look at it, you can see exactly where you've searched, where you've been drawing information from, and you can check your own search patterns. Well, Google's starting to draw information from that and from your Google Bookmarks file to accentuate or, or rank higher sites um, that you frequently go to. Now, this is obviously dependent on the, on the various keyword queries that you enter. Um, there may be some keyword queries you enter where you don't have favored sites. But if there's ones that you go to frequently, then Google will, over time, start to push more favored sites, ones that you tend to draw information from more often, higher up in the search rankings. Very true. And I was reviewing their... Um their patent uh, systems and methods for providing subscription-based, which this essentially is, so it does apply. Some of the things I did really like to see, um, they are going to, judging from the patent, whether they are in reality or not is a, a, bit, of a, a bit of a question mark, but um, they're developing the technology to automatically filter out um, certain queries, be them user-based. You're saying during this time frame, I don't want to be 
I don't want my, my history tracked, um, or by, and, and they clearly indicate um, adults in the patent application, but it does apply to other things as well, where they will just be filtering and not adding things into your history and tracking things based on specific categories um, that these websites and, and search queries would fall into, which I think from a privacy standpoint <laughs> uh, for, for a lot of people on the web, um, that they are bringing in these systems for filtering is, is a nice system. Uh, uh, definitely a necessary and great addition for them as well. So, well, I mean, you mentioned privacy concerns. I think that Google's that there's a whole bunch of privacy concerns involved here. Um, I also know that we're, <laughs> as usual, running short on time. So, I'm going to throw a link into the uh, into the the, the chat room here. Um, this is a link to a Danny Sullivan article, which I think. It was published in Search Engine Land Friday afternoons, and I think it's probably the most in-depth look at Google personalization. Um, it, I mean, really, he knows almost, sometimes I think Danny knows almost as much about Google as Google knows about him, <laughs> um, which is saying a hell of a lot. Now, before we, before we leave um, the idea, the, the concept of Google personalization, I just want to touch on a few things that I've noticed here that I think are really important for SEOs to note. Um, good content becomes even more important. You've got to keep drawing people back to your page. Uh, you've got to use, start using social media. You've got to start using XML site mapping. You've got to start using RSS feeds. And if anybody's been resisting this over the last two or three years, again, been living under rocks and not reading their, um, their reading to or listening to their search media, um, they've got to start getting into using XML and RSS. Um, get into the social media. Uh, start using Google bookmarks and promoting Google bookmarks on, on your pages. Um, most importantly, get into site usability. Funnel your traffic and get people coming back again and again and again because these are, these are the points that Google is looking at when uh, deciding the value of any given page. Mm -hmm. Very, very good advice, Sergio. Very good advice, uh, at least in a, in a starting point. You know, we'll have more as this ages and, and we all have time to analyze it a little further, at least in, in my opinion. I'm sure there's, there's going to be a lot more to it and we'll be hearing a lot more about it. Uh, over the coming months. Okay, I think we should move on quickly. There's a couple of things we wanted to talk about. Um, one that's really that, that, that gets me. This, is, this has been bothering me. I was, wasn't sure if I wanted to mention it today or not, but it's the um, it's the uh, uh, the debate about SEOs being worthwhile, being slimy, being scumbags, being you know, essential marketers working on your website. There was, a, I think, Andy Beals picked up the debate again over at the Marketing Pilgrim blog today. Mm-hmm. Um, he has referenced uh, Danny's, uh, Danny's out on it as well. <laughs> uh, oh, that was an article. I think uh, Dan Danny was all over that today, talking to uh, to uh, Jason. Yeah, I'm just trying to pull um, that article up now. He brings up some some very good points. Yeah, it's uh, it's on Search Engine Land today. Um, why the SEO folks. We're mad at you, Jason. If you're looking for the post, it's you know it's a it's a it's not even so much a, a debate. I, I have read it, of course, and, and was you know obviously as any SEO would be a little outraged by by some of the comments. Um, but at the same time, I mean, we're obviously dealing in a case where not speaking like basically saying that all SEOs are is just uh, just some pretty good web designers. <laughs> we can get into to tearing this apart. I mean, we, we could talk for hours tearing this apart. What I'm curious about is why is this why is this coming up again and again and again and again? 
Uh, like year after year after year is the debate over whether SEOs are worthwhile or not, and it seems the debate always settles that we are. It does. I think the debate, and it's going to in any industry like this, the debate's going to come up consistently because we sell, not, not to belittle it or, or mean anything, but because we sell air. There's nothing you can touch specifically um, that SEOs are you know, responsible, at least with a web design wallet, still just selling ones and zeros. There's this nice, pretty thing that people can see when, when the, you know, hopefully when the designer is done. Um, whereas with SEO, like pure SEO, not getting into, into the usability side and, and all of that sort of stuff, um, the end result should basically maintain exactly what the original design has done or, or redesigns have done. Um, there shouldn't really be much of a visitor experience change other than making all of the individual components um, easily accessible to the engines and, and um, you know, worded properly to pitch. But we don't add that, gee, here's a, here's a brand new shiny thing. So it's really easy to attack it. And uh, the majority of people don't truly understand exactly what it is anyway. I, I would lump Jason into this category. Um, so well, okay, just to, just to take the other side of the fence here. Then, do the majority of SEOs working in the market today really understand what they're doing? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I probably shouldn't touch that. I'll say I know <laughs> firms on both sides of that fence. Um, you know, there are some that you can easily label off as, you know, obviously not. We discussed them earlier, like Rand. There is no question. Does he know what he's doing? Um, I have definitely come across um, less than ethical. Um, but, you know, talk about SEOs, talk about, I don't care, talk about doctors, talk about lawyers, talk about, you know, venture capitalists, which Jason has some, some you know, knowledge about. Um, there's unethical people and people who don't know what they're doing in every industry. Um, you know, you can't just pick on SEOs for that. That's, that's just a universal truth in business, so... Uh, I think I think it's it's basically we are the same. We just don't produce. We're the same as any other industry. We just don't produce the same um, sort of material thing. I don't build a car and hand it to you. Um, you know these sorts of things. We can create results. We can show things on statistics. Half the clients don't even understand what those mean either, right? <laughs> so so I think that's a big part of the problem and why this debate is coming up over and over and over again. Well, you know what, Dave? We're going to have to leave it at that. We're um, closing in at a quarter after the hour. We have uh, two guests coming on, and we're going to have to take a break. This is uh, The Alternatives on webmasterradio.fm. We're sponsored by ISEDN.org. We'll be back after these messages. The Alternatives on webmasterradio.fm. We'll be back after this short commercial break. Are you getting the most out of your online advertising? Now get more from your media spend with superior real-time targeting and creative optimization technology. Get more now from Casali Media. Casali Media. Save big as Casali Media's ad experts place your premium campaigns across the web's hottest properties at the most competitive rates. Want more? Get, get more. Visit casalimedia.com slash more to request your media kit. Casali Media. Advertising online is better here. Casali Media. Wow. I never saw anyone fish with such a wide net before. Oh, really? I don't like fishing with a pole. 
Can't catch the big ones fast enough. No kidding. You've got a bunch. Yeah, I know. This wide net gives me great distribution and reach. Really? How's it work? Well, fish like to move around to various parts of the lake, so by casting a wide net, I gather fish from everywhere they congregate. Wow, that's pretty smart. Thanks. Wide nets work. And they make you look smart. If you're looking to cast a wider net and fish where the fish are, Look Smart Advertising Solutions can help. Go to signup.looksmart.com to learn more. And now, transport back into the alternative on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host, Jim Hedger. Well, welcome back to the alternative uh, here on webmasterradio.fm. I want to roll right into our first guest. We have Brian Smith from ComparisonEngines.com. Hello, Brian, how you doing? Good, how are you doing? I'm great. Um, Just as a quick intro... uh, Comparison Engines is a guide to the world of shopping comparison search engines. Um, Brian gets out. He talks to some of the key players. He gets, uh, gets them to write articles. He presents case studies. And he's uh, been publishing the site for, what, two and a half years now? It's actually just about two years, I think. Yeah, a little bit shorter. Okay, well, how's... Uh, well, Brian, why don't you give yourself a little bit more of an introduction? You've done a lot more than just comparison engines. So I've been doing internet marketing and business development for about um, 10 years now, scary enough. So I got in way back when doing search engine optimization and pay-per-click marketing, um, doing lots of business development, uh, which led to running affiliate programs, doing email and banner buys, and even took a stab at adware, that terrible, nasty spyware type thing way back when. Um, And after a short stint, uh, during the during the bubble, I decided to take a little break and uh, went down to LA and became a sketch comic and performed improv for a while. Um, but jumped back in and, and found that the shopping engines worked really well for lots of businesses. So I was doing uh, consulting for small and medium sized retailers and found that the shopping engines provided this great return on investment, just as good if not better than Google AdWords or Yahoo Search Marketing or an affiliate program. So I decided well, when, to try to find... Sorry, go on. I'm oh, sorry about that. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but when you're talking about the shopping engines, um, why don't you just name a few of the names out there so, so people have a, a better idea of what you're talking about. Sure. So the ones that people know the most are uh, shopping.com because they have a great domain name but also provide a great service. Um, Shopzilla, which many people also know as uh, deal time. Sorry, Shopzilla is also known as biz rate. Um, then there's next tag, Yahoo Shopping, Google Base is replacing Frugal as Google's shopping comparison engine. Um, and then there are a host of others. Um, Price Grabber is a great one that many people know about, but then there's Smarter.com and Become.com and Pronto.com, The Find, ShopWiki. There are tons of these sites out there right now. Well, the space is obviously very well populated. Um, how many people, consumers themselves, are, are using shopping engines? So it's a, it's a surprisingly large number. About one-third of the Internet audience, about 60 million users, go through the shopping engine during their peak season. So one in three users actually ends up on Shopping.com or Shopzilla. And um, a lot of that traffic is from, obviously, the big guys like Google or Yahoo. These shopping engines are some of the best search marketers out there. So all that uh, error that we were ta- you guys were talking about earlier um, in terms of search engine optimization, if you type in any sort of consumer electronic good or even uh, home and garden product on Google or Yahoo, you'll see that 
many, many, probably five, six, seven of the top results, organic results and pay-per-click results, are from the shopping comparison engine. So they're out there actively marketing their services and getting tons of people through Google and Yahoo and Ask and MSN. So do they actually do um, some of the larger shopping engines? They actually have search markers working on their staff? Yes, they do. They're And Shopzilla, Shopping.com, and Nextag probably have some of the brightest search marketing guys out there. Um, in terms of pay-per-click, I'd, I'd argue that these guys are some of the best in the business um, and have been for years. It's, it's, a lot of people look at the shopping comparison engines as an arbitrage business. I wouldn't say that's all they are, but that's a good portion of their business or has been for the last couple years. So these guys know how to buy traffic really, really efficiently and then really efficiently monetize that traffic on their site because most of the shopping engines work on a pay-per-click model themselves. So they know that when they get some, when they get a click on, on Google AdWords for 30 cents, they know that they can monetize that person for 60 cents on the way out. Um, and that's how Shopping.com, Shopzilla, Nextag, and a couple of these big shopping engines have grown throughout the years. Are these engines advantageous to the consumer? Excuse me? Are they advantageous to the consumer? Do they actually get the buyer better value? So I think they're incredibly advantageous. I think they provide a great service. I think they can always do more, and you'll see the shopping comparison engines move more into what to buy this year. But right now, they, the shopping engines do a great job of telling you where to buy and what price to pay for a good. Um, and these aren't just for, for consumer electronics. A lot of people think that, you know, Shopping.com, Shopzilla, Price Grabber, they're all for, you know, that, that DVD player you want to buy. But there are tons of refrigerators and, and copiers and blenders and furniture and jewelry and watches on these sites. And I think that the shopping engines really do provide a great service. Obviously, I'm biased because I'm covering the industry. But at the same time, you know, price comparison shopping is not going away. This is something that's going to be part of a shopping experience for a long, long time. And uh, I think the shopping engines are providing a good service and will continue to, and that service will continue to evolve and help people figure out what to buy in the coming years. Okay, so you're, imagine, put yourself in a position uh, as a retail webmaster. You've uh, got a number of products. Uh, you might be, a, it doesn't matter what kind of store you are, but you have a number of products. Um, how would you get in, those products into some of the shopping engines? So when I, uh, when I first got involved in the industry about two, two and a half years ago at this point, um, I didn't know anything about the shopping engines or how they worked. Um, but I was, a, I was doing some, some consulting for small and medium-sized businesses. And what I realized was that most of the shopping engines work off of data feed. So for, for the non-technical among us, basically the shopping engines all want your product information. And most of these guys don't go out and scrape your site. Most of them want you to put together basically an Excel file or text file with all your products and all your product attributes. So to get on Shopping.com, for instance, you have to go read their specifications and open up an Excel spreadsheet or, or dump your database into an Excel spreadsheet and then change around the headings and make sure to add other attributes which are required, and then you upload that to their site. So that's the basic way to get on the Shopping Engine. What I realized or what, what started to happen was that um, each of the shopping engines actually has a different specification. So if you create that feed for shopping.com, 
you have to go out and create a whole different feed for Shopzilla and a whole different feed for Nextag. So it gets to be this arduous process, which is very difficult. And, and out of comparison engines and out of working with the shopping engines, submitting lots of feeds, I realized there had to be a, a much better way to do this. So I started up another company called Single Feed. So as opposed to doing lots and lots of different separate feeds with different specifications, now I offer a service which helps merchants upload just one feed, and from there they get on all the shopping engines. You know, I was about to ask if there was any service out there that helped merchants do that. <laughs> um, so I've, been, I've become, become very much a merchant advocate. There are a lot of these services out there. I'm focusing on the small and medium-sized businesses. But if you're a slightly larger company, there are companies like Channel Advisor or Channel Intelligence, Performix, which used to be part of DoubleClick, is there, um, Merchant Advantage. There are a number of companies doing this in the space. Okay, well, you've, you've been watching the space for about two years now. Um, what are some of the changes that have happened, um, the, the, some of the players that have come and gone? So I think the, the, the big change that we've seen over the last year or so is that there, there's, a, there's a little bit of a debate over, um, over data feeds versus crawling. So, you know, Frugal, for instance, started out, Frugal, Google's shopping comparison engine, started out as a crawler. They went out and found lots of retail sites out there and grabbed products and grabbed product attributes. Well, that actually didn't work out so well. Um, I don't know the exact specifics, but at some point, Frugal decided, hey, let's actually take data feeds instead of crawling because they couldn't get to all the data that they wanted on a retailer site. So you've seen all the big major shopping engines like Shopping.com and ShopZilla and PriceGrabber and Nextag move to data feeds. Well, all of a sudden, over the last year or two, new sites like ShopWiki and The Find have come out and said, hey, we've gotten much, much better at this, this crawling. We can go to retailer sites right now and find that information. So one thing that's really come out over the last two years is that there are alternatives to the data feed. Um, there are ways for The Find and ShopWiki to go, to go crawl the web and find hundreds of thousands of e-commerce sites which opens up the door to a much more comprehensive shopping experience. This is much different than Shopping.com or Shopzilla, which only have ten to 20,000 merchants submitting feeds to their site. Has, uh, has that sparked a change in traffic patterns or in the way people treat the, treat the different uh, services out there? So at this point, no, because the, the major shopping engines are the ones who are, so the, the ones who are, are crawling for data are, have a different revenue model. They're putting ads up around their site. They're putting Google AdSense or branded advertising up. The guys who use data feeds, for the most part, have a pay-per-click model. So those guys are able to monetize really well. So therefore, those guys are the ones who are out on Google buying the traffic, which means they're getting the bulk of the traffic. Um, so ShopWiki and the Find haven't really taken off yet. But there's a potential there that, you know, maybe these guys are providing a much better overall user experience. Um, and that is a threat to the, to the sort of incumbents at this point. And I think we'll see, we'll see an interesting sort of struggle play out over the next year or two. Well, who, technology-wise, um, as, as you've noticed over the last couple of years, who are some of the clear winners? So, that's a, so the clear winners at this point, um, you know, it's, it's tough. It, you're going to ask also, I have a feeling, who the clear losers are. You know, the funny thing is that 
we're, I hate to say it, but I know it's overused, but we really are early in the game at this point. Um, you know, e-commerce, sure, it's been around for 10, 11, 12 years at this point. The shopping engines themselves have been around for 10 years or so, or, or 8 years. But, you know, people are still coming online. People are still starting to shop online and getting more comfortable with, with the experience. So I think the, whole, the industry as a whole has a ton of growth ahead of it. And if you look at the numbers from Jupiter, they say e-commerce is slowing down. But at the same time, the shopping engines are still doing a very healthy business. So if you want specifics, over the last two years, Shopzilla has done extremely well in the industry. Um, Shopping.com used to be the clear leader in terms of revenue and unique users and everything. Um, And Shopzilla sort of came out in 2005, 2006, and really um, sort of zoomed ahead in terms of revenue. Now, this past, uh, this past week, actually, they announced their, their earnings, and there was something interesting in there that, that basically said um, search marketing has gotten expensive. So they had to actually, they didn't uh, meet expectations. So basically, they uh, said that the, the cost per click, the pay-per-click costs had gone up significantly, and that had hurt them. So while I'd love to say that ShopZilla um, was the clear leader and, and will continue to be, it's, it's very much up in the air. These guys have to find out ways to build a loyal shopping experience, and they haven't done it yet. They're getting a lot of traffic from Google and Yahoo, and that's not the way to go. Is, uh, are they able to change their model? Um, once, they've, once they've gone down the path that they've gone, how difficult would it be for them to, to try to pursue other revenue streams? I think it's very tough. I think that, uh, well, I, I don't know if this is a common term, but I call it Google AdWords crack. I think people are very much addicted to Google AdWords, and that can be a great thing, and that can be a very dangerous thing. And at this point, it's, it's tough to wean, your, wean yourself off of, an, off of an addiction, especially when, you know, it's so easy to do Google at this point. So, you know, with someone like Shopzilla, they were purchased last year or two years ago by a company, or last year by Scripps Corporation, EW Scripps, which owns, you know, Food Network TV and Fine Living Magazine and uh, Dilbert and, and Snoopy, all these different media. Uh, it's a diversified media co- corporation. So, for instance, they can now get a show on, on Scripps' TV network all about shopping. So they came out with a show called American Shopper, which is basically Shopzilla saying, hey, here are great products to buy. And by the way, if you want to buy them, you should do comparison shopping at Shopzilla. Well, that's an amazing opportunity there. It's, it's, it's consistent with the, with the idea that they should be integrating offline and online and TV and online. It's an amazing opportunity. So I see these guys trying to do things like that. Shopping.com, for instance, is also trying something different as opposed to doing the pay-per-click model. They're trying to do an affiliate model. So when you go to shopping.com right now, every once in a while you'll see that shopping.com has, has a unified shopping cart. So basically the transaction will go through shopping.com, and then later on they can market to those people, to those consumers. So shopping.com starts to build up a loyal experience. You know, it's a tough play, though. Um, all these guys are so dependent on Google, it's very tough to break away from that. And I'm not sure how and when it will happen. We're, uh, we're other, I saw you at the Affiliate Summit down in Vegas a few weeks ago. Were, um, were other shopping search engines, were they making a pres- their presence known there? So the sad thing is, no. 
Shopping.com was the was the one shopping engine sort of that had a had a couple people there. There are some new guys out there like My Triggers or um, uh, Jellyfish, which are looking at the CPA model or looking at the rev share model. And you know, I I just don't think that they're really thinking ahead at this point and considering it. Um, it's something that they have to do. I think eventually a CPA model makes a lot of sense. Um, it's what people are comfortable with, a rev share model, a CPA model. I think the click costs have gone, I think we all know, they've, they've gotten a little bit um, high at this point, and it's tough to justify the cost. I think a lot of people aren't doing really good tracking, which means that just drives up the click cost even more. At some point, we're going to demand performance marketing. That's why I love the affiliate model. Um, you're paying exactly what you can afford to pay for each product. Um, and we're not there yet on the shopping side. So it would be nice to see more people at Affiliate Summit, and that's why it was there. I think that the, the industry has to move in a different direction. I don't think it suddenly switches over to the affiliate model, but I think that's, that's a potential, and it should be something that we all look out for. For years we've been talking about verticalization in the, in the search sphere, and it seems to almost sort of come, then not come, then almost sort of come, then not come. Um, do you see verticalization happening in the shopping sphere? Yes. I see it happen, happening very slowly, but I definitely see it happening. Um, when I first got involved with ComparisonEngines.com, way, way back when um, someone from the U.K. emailed me this great site called VDeep. And it's a, basically it's a, a vertical shopping experience for um, sex toys. And truthfully, it's... Like, I'm not one to sit there on the site all day, but I have to say it's a great experience compared to what the other shopping engines are providing. This guy found a great niche um, that he was familiar with and went out and created a great shopping experience, sort of cloning the Shopping.com or Shopzilla model, but doing it for a very small vertical. And I think that that's a great idea. Um, More recent ideas um, like that, there's one called Health Pricer. And Health Pricer looks at vitamins and supplements and all those types of products. And what a vertical engine can do in this space is basically say, what are the attributes that really matter for vitamins versus, like, consumer electronics or, or blenders? The shopping engines can't be everything to everybody. It's very hard to know 50 million different types of products out there. But, you know, Health Pricer can really know the nutrients and supplement market. Um, VD can really know the sex toy market. Um, there's a great new one called Builders Square, um, which can know the home improvement market. So I definitely see these guys having a shot. And if you're a home depot enthusiast, I think Builders Square is going to provide the community features and the, the really nice Web 2.0 features that you want in a shopping experience. The question is how these guys get traffic. Just like uh, the big shopping engines, it's going to be a struggle to try to get users. Where does everyone start their search these days? We all know. So how do you, how do you fight that sort of, that sort of problem? I, I don't know, but I think these guys do provide a great experience, and, and maybe that's enough. Um, but these guys haven't taken off yet, so it's going to be a while before this whole thing plays out. Hey, Brian, we're, uh, we're going to have to wrap up the segment pretty quickly, but, but before we go, I want to ask a couple more questions. Um, where do you see growth in the in the shopping in the shopping market? Okay, so growth in the shopping market, I definitely 
like the funny thing is that we've been talking about Web 2.0 stuff for years now. I think like two years at this point, and it never really um, came up in the in the retail space, in the in the shopping space. I think we're going to see some great opportunities for growth um, in terms of great community um, products, in terms of user-generated products in the shopping space that just haven't been there before. Um, so things like uh, companies like Bizarre Voice or Power Reviews are doing great things to bring user-generated content um, in the form of reviews, video reviews or text reviews, to the shopping engines or to retailer sites. I think that's a great idea. Um, also, there are new types of um, browsing experience. Um, I call them visual shopping engines, like Like.com, which, you know, it's a visual shopping experience isn't for everyone, but all these guys like Shopping.com and Shopzilla are so, so focused on getting that person to click through and buy something at a merchant site. There is something to be said for browsing, and I think Like.com offers a great browsing experience. There's a new site called ShopStyle.com. It's a great browsing experience. Um, a new one called BrowseGoods.com, which is a sort of it's Google Maps for products. It's an amazing browsing experience. Um, a little disclosure, I know the guy who's doing it, old family friend. But these types of new experiences, I think that's where we'll see some great growth. And uh, are there going to be more opportunities for, for webmasters to get involved, for webmasters or for, for search marketers to guide their clients in. Um, will shopping engines move into the mainstream, I guess is, is, is the ultimate question. So, what's, uh, so, so the word of wisdom that I give to, to the search marketers out there is to really start paying attention to the shopping engine. And if they want to do it in baby steps, which is sort of like the, the nice way to get involved, Think of it as Google-based. It's going to become very, very important. Um, all of a sudden, all these guys doing SEO, to get to the top of the search engine on Google, all of a sudden there's going to be a Google-based one-box result above the organic listing. Well, a lot of people are going to click on those listings, and suddenly the value of the organic listings below will deplete. Um, so I think a lot of a lot of attention will be played to Google Base or will be given to Google Base over the next couple months, especially as they roll out more one-box results on Google.com, um, and that's going to get a lot of search marketers to wake up. I think there's a huge opportunity for search marketers to understand the the uh, Google one-box and Google Base experience. That's part of what Single Feed does. I have another site called LoveYourFeed.com. To, to explain to search marketers how to optimize a feed. Um, just like their search engine optimization, there's data feed optimization. And I think once, once search marketers realize, hey, I can get to the top of Google results without doing SEO, without doing pay-per-click, um, they'll, they'll realize that the shopping comparison engines can drive valuable traffic and go from Google Base to Shopzilla to Shopping.com and, and, and thereon and, and discover some real value that they haven't seen before. You know, and, and on that, I'm afraid we're gonna have to we're gonna have to cut it off. Um, there's a hundred other things I'd like to ask you, Brian, um, and I'm gonna be inviting you back again sometime soon. But thank you so much for being on the so, show today. So I didn't totally mess up, Jim. <laughs> oh, great, um, folks. We're gonna be back with Josh Lee from Leads and Feeds in a few moments. But uh, until then, here's some wonderful messages from our wonderful sponsors here on WebmasterRadio.fm. The alternative, the alternative. On WebmasterRadio.fm. We'll be back after this short commercial break. 
rainmakers, rock stars, gorillas, and gurus. WebmasterRadio.fm. Come visit our magical Webmaster Wonderland. We got a mouse, too. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Marketing payouts lacking green, leaving you seeing red? Get your business in the black with NeverBlueAds.com. Sign up with NeverBlueAds.com today and earn an additional $200 for the first $200 generated. Get ready to flash those pearly whites with unique campaigns, real-time stats, great personal service, and high payouts on time every month from NeverBlueAds.com. Results for advertisers, income for affiliates, everybody wins with a better marketing experience from NeverBlueAds.com. Major traffic tie-ups on the 101, and we have an onlooker delay due to what looks like a new show on WebmasterRadio.fm. Keep your hands on the wheel, because WebmasterRadio.fm is going to help you create buzz through social media, and will accelerate your servers into a head-on collision of information. WebmasterRadio.fm presents... Rush Hour. Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Our hosts, Neil and Cameron, will help you get the upper hand to find the links you need so that your company is in bumper-to-bumper traffic. Rush Hour. The right kind of traffic. Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And now, transport back into the alternative on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's your host, Jim Hedger. Welcome back to The Alternative on WebmasterRadio.fm. Uh, we're joined in this segment by Josh Lee from Leads and Feeds. But before we get into it, um, one of my producers just IM'd me a breaking news story. Um, I'm not used to breaking stuff like this. Apparently, Anna Nicole Smith just died in a Los Angeles hotel room um, at age 39. So... There you go, Barry. Story mentioned and um, story noted. Wow. How you doing? Uh, how you doing, Josh? Pretty good, Jim. How about yourself? Pretty good. Sorry about the uh, sorry about that in- that kind of an intro. Um, let's just no, jump no, right on right, into man. who you I, are I and leads and feeds. Excuse me? Let's jump right into um, who you are, into leads and feeds, and, and into your business. Um, okay. Well, leads and feeds, uh, we're a fairly new company. I've been in the industry for a little while now. Um, basically, what we do is we work with the different uh, feed advertising providers out there, um, anywhere from the Tier 1 to Tier 2 guys, and aggregate those feeds into different traffic providers or publishers that we work with on a pretty large scale. So it allows us to get very high rev shares working with the advertisers and be able to pass those down to the different publishers that are out there that cannot get you know, as high a rev share or get direct feeds from Tier 1 providers. So who are, who are some of your clients? Who's your typical clients? Typical clients are different companies out there. You know, I work with anyone from, you know, one of my clients, XML Revenue. Um, you know, I work with anyone that deals with a lot of smaller search engines, um, websites that are looking to monetize their traffic that have a high volume of traffic. Um, you know, I really just go through and help these websites that do not understand or have the grasp of you know, the best way to monetize their traffic. They they can deal with one or two feeds, um, and but if they go with me, I can actually meta in 20 different feeds and be able to push that out to them so they can have the best coverage through a feed. Now, where are these feeds coming from? I work with all the different companies out there. I work with, you know, 
um, indirectly through, you know, Google, Yahoo, MSN, um, Ask. You know, I work with all the different Tier 2 providers out there as well, you know, Miva, ABC, Findology, Canoodle, and many others. Last, last time you and I spoke, um, you said something that, that really surprised me. You mentioned that um, some of the Tier 2s are actually providing stronger revenue streams than, than some of the Tier 1s. And that's what I've found out lately, you know, especially by pulling them all in. The one thing that I see in this industry right now with the uh, Tier 2 providers versus the Tier 1, um, Tier 2 have some great advertising bids, but by themselves they do very well in certain verticals. By pulling them all in and having a very what we call smart meta, based on the, key, the term that comes through, I can be able to you know have a very quick response time by going through 30 different feeds and push out by vertical the uh, the different keyword they need to see or the different uh, ad they need to see to show the highest bid price. So if you have you know let's say certain companies, Miva, they have very high verticals in accounting, and then you have let's say Canoodle, they have very high bid values in real estate, but all their other verticals aren't very high. What I do is, like I said, again, I basically take them in, put them into a meta feed, and then push them out. And the way it actually turns out, I actually see higher bid prices by putting them all together. It's a lot easier to work with as well, compared to working directly with some of the Tier 1 providers like Yahoo. Um, how long? You've been doing this for a few years. How long did yeah. it take you to... Um I guess figure out a rhythm that the that the uh, uh, various the, the the various feed providers. Um, how long did it take you to figure out which would be the more profitable streams? You know, right now, I mean, it's really by watching the numbers. I can't take the credit, <laughs> honestly. Um, you know, I really I run the company. I do the sales side of it with uh, my sales reps as well. But my CTO, um, Adam, is is amazing. I mean, he really has taken the time to analyze all the different feeds, you know, on a daily basis, watch the traffic, and be able to adjust at, you know, a split second based on what he sees coming in the door. So it's been, you know, he's been working at this, you know, with me for, you know, well over a year or even longer, you know, to really get that right rhythm down. Because, again, it changes on a daily basis as well. With these, you know, when you're working with so many multiple partners, you have to be able to review that traffic and review those bid prices, you know, every other day. So it's really, really hard for, uh, for, for single operator webmasters, people who um, don't have the software, don't have the track, tracking capabilities or the experience that, that your company has. Well, again, and that's why we try and go out there and help them out. Again, a lot of the other companies that are out there might not have that experience to go through there and monetize different websites. They can take in one website. They can take in two. Because, again, if you don't have a smart meta, this is where a lot of people came up, that their servers can't handle the balance. Because if you're trying to, if you're trying to query 10 different, you know, search engines, instead of just, you know, let's say you do a million queries a day, now you have 10 million queries a day because you're, you're querying 10 million search engines. In the, uh, in the beginning, for, for smaller <laughs> webmasters, people who are just yeah. starting out, um, what direction should they look in for, for strong revenue streams or, or ways to monetize their sites? You know, I mean, again, the best way to do it, getting going, is going to an aggregator. You know, these are like myself, you know, going to a company that's out there that works with all the different feeds out there and that can analyze your traffic, look at it, and be able to adjust and put the right feeds on there 
that'll get them going and moving the fastest, comparably to going out, going to one of these companies directly, trying it out. All right. Because, again, every company has a strength. If you go to different feed providers, they have strengths in certain verticals. And if you don't know what that, you know, feed provider strengths are and you're on a different vertical, you're going to be spinning your wheels. You're going to be making two cents when you could be making 20 cents every time, every CPC value. In working with in working with clients, um, how do you uh, well? How do you how do you pay out to your clients when your clients get involved with you? How's it beneficial beneficial to them? Um, and how quickly can they see turnaround? Well, Jim, I mean, with, when I work with people, I try and do it as quickly as possible. Um, as well as you know, and most people in the industry that are already in it, um, you know, revenue turns around in either net thirty or net forty five, depending on who you're working with. Um, we like to make sure that all the revenue comes in the door. We do not, you know, try and get it before chargebacks hit. So we usually do a net 45. I also, working with these clients, my biggest thing in this industry, I've seen it so many times, you know, I've been in it for a while. You try, you, you look, work out there, and it's always one person, you know, especially if, when you're trying to redistribute a feed. People look like, well, you're taking a bigger percentage than what, you know, we should be doing because we're running the traffic. Honestly, it's a partnership. I mean, with everyone you work with, from the feed provider to the publisher, you guys all can't work on the same level and be in, if you're not on the same level and in it to win at the same game, you're, all you're doing is hurting yourself. Now, everyone has to doing, be, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, I, was, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but um, what you're doing is, is, is actually pretty complicated. Do you often find times that even mid-campaign, you have to re-explain to the client exactly what the game plan is and what the goals are? You do. And, again, I tell all my clients as well, if you see something, again, if they're not making money, I'm not making money. No one, and the advertisers aren't making money. I mean, the bottom line is if they're not seeing what they need to see, um, it's, let's go back through, re, you know, look at our splits, make sure we're on the right feeds, evaluate the traffic, and move it around. The good thing about it is, you know, with my IT department that I have in place, if we see something midday, we can add some adjustments. We can turn a feed on, turn it off, um, adjust the coverage ratio that we need to see on those feeds, you know, and within t- a 10-minute time frame. So you do, so we don't see, you know, the, a large revenue loss like somebody might see within a 24-hour time frame if they're not watching the feeds. How many other companies are are in your sector right now or are doing what you're doing? Is is it growing rapidly? You know, there are uh, companies here and there. There's a lot of companies out there that do this. Um, it really, you, you have to make sure you watch the different companies, too. You know, there's a lot of great people out there to work with, um, but you also want to make sure you're not working with a company that will it'll take your traffic and try and, you'll see it sometimes, they'll try and clone it across multiple feeds. So mm-hmm. it is growing. There are a lot of people out there that do this, but in the same sense, you have to make sure that you work with someone that has been in the industry for a while. Um, you want to make sure that, you know, payment is always there as well. Um, one of the biggest things we do with our panel when we show for our clients is we have our valid clicks, how many clicks we have, total clicks, how many valid clicks we show, and then we actually show how many advertiser counts. So, again, comparably to, you know, working with companies like myself, you know, I came from one before I started my company. And you would have chargebacks. Again, 
all clicks aren't valid. You know, you can say your own system can match it and try and filter out as much fraud as possible, but the advertiser is always going to be the end all of the solution. So what we do is we actually have a staff that goes through and pulls up all the different advertising panels on a daily basis so they know every day how many total clicks are being counted, not at the end of the month. You get say, oh, well, I was, you were expecting $10,000, but you're only going to get eight now because the advertiser didn't pay us for all the clicks. And what that's a big uh, what of kind it, of impact do invalid clicks or click fraud have on your business? It has a huge impact. And, again, if you cannot put the time and effort in to filter it out, um, it's all it's going to do is cost you in the end. Um, the way this industry is going right now with the online advertising, we receive such, you know, at this point we don't receive a lot of ad budgets. If we can hit click fraud in the beginnings, again, what we do is we have certain filters in place that before it even hits our advertiser, we try and filter it out because there's no reason to upset an advertiser and, you know, cost a feed. Again, working with so many different people, you know, I have, you know, thousands of clients. I, you know, you have to make sure you watch every single client because you can't allow one client. Again, everyone can say, hey, I've got amazing traffic. But you don't know it till you run it. I don't want to put you on the there's spot too much here, here, but I, I have to ask. Um, Go ahead. Where do you find most of the invalid traffic coming from? From which directions? Well, I mean, again, I do a lot of the PPC. You're going to see it a lot in pay-per-click because, again, you can have the automated, the bots, one of the biggest things we're seeing right now is a lot of China bots going through proxy servers through the, uh, the U.S. And you'll see the same bot go through a proxy server from the U.S., Australia, England, and they'll just keep on moving the traffic around. So, Are I mean, you guys able to trace this? We trace it, yes. As soon as we find it, we block it on our system. But again, and it's amazing that when you come back, you go to a client, you go, hey, you have bot traffic running across your network. You need to remove it. A lot of times, it's either, you know, you, can, you have to take it with a grain of salt. It's like, all right, well, like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. One, either you're lying, or two, you really didn't know. You don't have the technology to go through it. So that's where we help, and to help really clean your traffic up, because, again, it's going to be better for you in the long run if I tell you, hey, these are the traffic sources you need to take off because it will improve your website overall. You know, the, the, the better side of me wants to assume that most people simply didn't realize that, and that's uh, what we do. Well. Operating might... in their system is that more often the case than not, or are people yeah, actually what... out there trying to scam? Jim, you know, again, I I believe that too. I try and also because the glass is half full. You know, want to assume that hey, it's supposed by people don't have, you know, working with they don't work as with much traffic as I see, so they don't have the time or the uh, just the technology to go through and filter every day a new bot can be can be made be sent out and scam on the traffic that can go through and automate clicks. So if you don't have the time or effort to go through there, you're never going to know it. So you can't blame these different webmasters for not knowing what's going across their sites. But you're again, filtering this stuff. Because, oh, sorry? No, I was going to say again, but because it's so easy to do, and they, it's, it's, it's a yin-yang, you know I mean? Again, you have to take it, you know, it's assumed, yes, they don't know, but with how much money you can make in the industry these days by doing it, <laughs> You're you never filtering know. stuff out. Are you finding stuff that Google or Yahoo or any of the, uh, the larger channels aren't finding? You know, they're usually pretty good. Um, they go through and they 
have a pretty good grasp on the, you know, what's, what's good, what's bad. I mean, they've got huge departments dedicated to it. Uh, we do see a lot of traffic out there, and honestly, I've, I've caught going back, you know, the traffic that I've sent to them and been like, oh, you know, I see it. But, again, you have to realize if you don't send enough traffic to them, you're with the Tier 1 companies, you don't have, you're not in the spotlight all the time. With the smaller companies, if you send, you know, 100,000 clicks over, hey, you're going to be, they're going to look at your traffic, you're going to know exactly you're going to have that one-on-one time with those companies. With working with Google, Yahoo, companies like that, if you're not sending, you know, a couple, you know, a couple million clicks a day, you're a small blip on their radar. And it's the big blips that get the attention and, and the positive, uh, positive reactions. Exactly. So, and that's where, you know, it helps with me. You can actually get through them and we'll actually look at the traffic a little bit more because I do work with them by working with thousands of different websites and thousands of different traffic sources. You can actually get that traffic to Google and be able to, you know, really be able to get paid for your traffic and know your traffic a lot better comparably to just being that small blip. <laughs> Earlier on in the show, we spoke with Brian Smith from Comparison Engines, and, and he looks at shopping search engines. Um, do you see a lot of traffic coming from the shopping sphere? You know, I don't do a lot of traffic from the shopping side right now. Um, when you have a compete with that, you, again, dealing on the PPC side, comparably to shopping, you'll see some traffic here or there, but with these shopping uh, different websites that are out there, Honestly, the website owner shouldn't have PPC ads on there. Um, if he wants them to buy from that, his website, you know, he should have <laughs> you know, his products on there comparably to having separate ads that would actually draw people away from his site. So you where don't do you see, see a lot of Where do you see growth shopping. right now in, in your segment of the industry? Where's the most growth going to be coming from? Um, right now, the most growth is going to be coming from uh, different domain holders. Um, with Companies that are building these websites out that have, when you have that site that draws people in on a daily basis and you put the ads, you give them search, you know, one of the biggest things, one of the best quality of traffic that you'll get from any company that I see these days is from a website that has daily visitors and they have insight search along with paid listings above it. Um, Because, again, you have someone that's searching a site, when they do, when they put the search through, they run to the advertise. They see the advertisers as well and get drawn off, and then you have a lot better quality of traffic there. Again, it's it's really based on the quality these days because again, we all you know a lot of fraud went to the industry. Advertisers are more savvy now. They know to watch it. and They're not going to pay for it. Josh, I have another show coming up right in behind me, and I'm afraid we're out of time. I I got a dozen other questions I'd like to ask you, so um, (laughs) I'm probably going to have to invite you back again. Um, Thank you so much for spending the time with us today. All right. Well, you take care, and we'll talk soon. We'll talk soon. Um, Folks, that's the end of the show. Um, On behalf of Dave Davies, uh, Josh Lee, and Brian Smith, thanks for listening. Um, The show is sponsored by the ISEDN.org. We'll be back next week on The Alternatives here on webmasterradio.fm. Stay tuned.